Welcome to Risk Roundup. While the very nature of human mind and the science of individual human intelligence is difficult to understand, there is an intense effort going on to build collective human intelligence powered by connected computers and machine intelligence. As the efforts are towards creating collective human intelligence on the back of collective machine intelligence, the collective human brain that is forming will likely have unmatched ability to design, modify, and build even better forms of intelligence in the coming years. There is a great hope that since there will be likely no limits to collective machine intelligence, there will likely be no limits to intelligence and innovation, progress and advancement for humans. It is the collective human intelligence powered by machine intelligence that will help us create the worlds that never were in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short, referred to as CGS. So as we integrate human intelligence with massive mas machine intelligence, then our relationship with everything on Earth and beyond in cyberspace, geospace, and space enhances, amplifies, and fundamentally changes. The coming revolution and evolution of intelligence and the resulting fundamental transformation changes humanity's relationship to knowledge and information and raises profound implications for the future of the collective human experience and endeavors in cyberspace, geospace, and space. To discuss collective human intelligence further, I'm honored to welcome Professor Pierre Levy to this roundup. Pierre Levy, a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada, is a French philosopher, cultural theorist, and media scholar who specializes in the understanding of the cultural and cognitive implications of digital technologies and the phenomenon of human collective intelligence. Welcome, Professor Levy. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to discuss these very important and interesting questions with you. Thank you. So uh, I'm really eager to have a discussion too. So let's start the discussion with the technology powered evolutionary journey towards mutualistic NGIOA symbiosis, as we say. NGIOA means nations, it's government, industries, organizations, and academia. So knowing how to power collective human intelligence is perhaps one of the biggest questions we face today. Having said that, as we witness unprecedented advances in information communication, digitization technologies, along with convergence of technological advances in processing power, interconnectivity, data storage, high fidelity rendering, physics, simulations, natural language technologies, and so much more. What does these advances mean for collective human intelligence? Yes, I think that the first thing that we have to understand is that it's not the first time in the history of mankind where we had a big revolution in communication. It was already the case at the time of the invention of writing. It changes everything. It allowed large-scale agriculture. It allowed the construction of the first um, states. Uh, the beginning of literature and science as we know it, and so on. There has been also uh, 
a great revolution at the time of the invention of the printing press. And this allowed the industrial revolution, the rise of the nation states, new kinds of religions, and so on. So we are now again in a time of big revolution of communication, but it was not the first time. And we have also to understand that human cognition, human intelligence has always been collective. We are a social species, and all the social species have one kind or another of collective intelligence. In our case, in case of humanity, our collective intelligence is empowered mainly by language. Other animals can communicate, of course, but they cannot speak, they cannot ask questions, they cannot tell stories, they cannot have dialogues and so on. So it is because we have the language that our species has developed such a powerful collective intelligence. We, our species has an evolution that is not a biological evolution, but a cultural evolution. This cultural evolution is fueled by technical inventions, institutional inventions, economic inventions, cultural inventions, and it stays, it grows, it, uh, it is recorded. We have a memory, a cultural memory. And that's the basis of our cultural evolution. Other species don't have this. So once this is said, <laughs> Today, um, we have an augmentation of our um, symbolic manipulation ability um, that goes beyond the writing system that just helps us to record symbols or the printing press or the electronic, traditional electronic media that just multiplies symbols, we can modify, transform very precisely symbols with the help of robots, with the help of software. So currently, we have um, a new space, a new environment of communication that is ubiquitous, when you put uh, some message on the web, it is at this place, on this server, but at the same time, it is everywhere. So if this is a ubiquitous communication environment. Also, all the, all the information, all the documents are interconnected. So there is one big space of information that is everywhere. And finally, as I said, we have a multitude of robots that, can, that we can command to transform all these symbols, all these messages, all this information. This is a situation that is completely new in the history of mankind. All our concepts and institutions and are inherited from the previous era. Uh, Think about it, uh, one, one generation ago, let's say 
25 years, there was less than 1% of the human population that was connected to the internet. And today, it is more than half of the global uh, human population that is connected to the internet. It, it's a huge revolution. And we are just, just at the beginning of this huge revolution. We think, <laughs> sometimes we think that we are very advanced, but in one, two, three generations, they will look back at us and think, oh, this was the prehistory of cyberspace. Okay? We are in the prehistory. Everything is still to be, to be built. Yes, to be designed, defined and designed. You're absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, this is just the very, very beginning. And uh, you are right that, you know, it is fundamentally going to transform everything. And today, individuals, if you look at the individuals or entities across nations, it's government industries or organizations on academic or academia, we all stand on the brink of a technological tsunami in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And this is fundamentally altering the way each component of a nation, individuals or any component of a nation, uh, they work, live, communicate, and uh, to another, you know, within and across the nation's geographical boundaries. So in its scale, scope and complexity, this technology revolution triggered transformation across cyberspace, geospace and space is unlike anything NGI or humankind has experienced before in any of its prior technological revolutions. This is very, very different. So the speed of the current ideas, innovations, technology and breakthroughs has no historical precedent and is fundamentally disrupting almost every component of a nation. And in addition, the breadth, depth, and the impact of these changes, it heralds the transformation of entire interconnected and interdependent systems of socialization, education, innovation, production, management, governance, and so much more. So while there is no way to predict just how this technology revolution or evolution will unfold, one thing is clear that the silos are breaking across nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia. So what impact do you see because of the imminent breakdown in silos? How do you see it shaping the information and intelligence processes? And where do you see the intelligence evolutionary journey going from here? Okay, uh, it's very, you know, <laughs> it's very difficult to predict the future. But we can have a vision um, or propose a vision. My vision is that all this computing power should not be directed towards the idea of artificial intelligence. It should be directed toward the idea of collective intelligence, of empowering individuals and groups and communities. Uh, all the techniques of artificial intelligence, like machine learning, deep learning, big data analytics, all these things are to be, of course, are to be developed, but put at the service of the people. The ultimate goal is to empower people and not to empower machines. Okay, We are going to control the machines. And I think that um, a lot of um, 
power of interpretation of flows of data is now in the hands of big governments, big companies. It should be at, in the hands of everybody. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit like the situation in ancient Egypt where you had a small cast of scribes that were that was able to read and write and they were at the top of the of the power and the vast majority of the population they were morally more or less slaves and they were unable to read and write and they were excluded from power today it's almost the same we have very big corporations or um, very powerful nation states that control the, the huge flow, the huge ocean of information, and they are able to extract knowledge from it, even with very crude tools. Don't, don't be fooled by the buzzwords and so on. It's, it's still not perfect. But they have the power to uh, analyze and control the information, and the vast majority of people, they just give up their own information that they produce on the internet. I think what we should aim for is a situation where all this information that is produced by, by people, when they communicate, when they make transactions on the internet, when they uh, use every device, they are constantly producing data. I think that this data, this information, should come back to the people. They should be able to analyze, to understand, to have a representation of the working of their own collective intelligence. I think the next step in the cultural evolution is not just collective intelligence, because in a way we already have it, and it is already empowered by cyberspace. The next step is reflexive collective intelligence. We should be able to observe our own cognitive process, co collective cognitive process, in order to improve it, to solve all the problems that uh, confront us. So that's it. That is basically the, the, the cultural goal that we should be setting. No, I, I hear your point. I think that's an excellent idea because individuals, the consumers, we, the individuals and consumers, we directly need to know what data we are generating on the, you know, in the cyberspace and what we can learn from that, how we can improve. So what you are suggesting, the reflexive intelligence, I think it's an excellent idea because it would help individuals grow and evolve and that would help them do things in much better way. And you are right that right now, all these big data tools and analytics and everything is in the power. It's controlled by the, you know, large corporations and governments and consumers direct they don't have the tools available for them to reflect 
for them to understand you know what kind of you know data they are generating what what can they analyze from that what can they understand so this reflexive intelligence you are suggesting if we are able to achieve that that would be really really transformational for individuals because the individual is the seat of intelligence and you know we want to make sure that we all learn individually so that if we learn individually if we evolve our own in, in intelligence if we evolve that then the collective intelligence which will be much more powerful and much more stronger and as you said in the beginning from the beginning of times our early knowledge sharing relied on speech and other social behaviors however over the years with advances in technology the social ecosystem is moving from geospace to cyberspace and this shift in social ecosystem has augmented the capacity for collective intelligence with so many different tools so if we are able to provide them the reflexive tool that like, you are talking about that would be transformational and that what how to what stage are we are we any closer do we have that kind of capability at this point okay so i think that currently technically we don't have this ability but i'm working on this problem since a, a long time and uh, i'm thinking of a new kind of uh, of platform you know let's say first we have to think about the core values of this platform Th that should be a kind of public service that could be very useful for the individual for the citizens but also for the organization for the businesses for the government a, a, a general public service platform. I think that the core values of this general uh, public service platform should be openness, transparency, and commonality. You know, the, um, um, the information, the data should belong to the public. All the um, data formats and the algorithms and the application that will be embedded in this public service should be open, like open source, okay? And the way it is managed should be transparent because all this is going to um, give confidence, trust. Okay? If it's not transparent, if it's not open, there will be no trust. If it's not open, there will be no continuous improvement. And if it is not common, you are not going to improve the general situation of the population. This is the first thing. Then we should use um, all the technical advances that are in our, at, at our disposal. It should be, of course, cloud-based, completely distributed. Uh, we should use machine learning and deep learning uh, as completely as possible because it's a very powerful and very useful technology. Uh, we should, of course, also use the blockchain uh, to uh, ensure that people can exchange contracts freely and safely. And finally, 
I would add a new technology that still does not exist that I call deep meaning. <laughs> so because you have deep learning, deep learning is a kind of simulation of the brain. Okay, we should add, but the brain is not uh, the secret of human intelligence because all the animals have brains, okay? And whales have bigger brains than us. It's not the size of the brain that is important. What is important in the human brain is that he can manage symbols, he can, he can manage language. You cannot augment um, human cognition without augmenting its linguistic or symbolic ability. So I think that we should create a language, a writing system that is adapted to the new um, the new support of our communication and thinking that is computational. So we should devise a language that is at, at the same time um, like a natural language, we can say anything, but on the other face of it, it is also some kind of formal language that can be uh, computed by the, the computers. Uh, and not only the syntax should be computable, but also the semantics. So if we use such a symbolic system, and if we use it as a kind of semantic coordinate system for all the data, the data will be able to self-compute their semantic relationships. And we will be able to translate automatically, not only from one language to another, but from one discipline to another, from one classification system to another, from one ontology to another. Every, everything will be able to communicate and to be computed automatically. That's my idea. I call it deep meaning because it will augment the natural language processing abilities. It will um, make very powerful databases. It, and it will add a new um, addressing layer in cyberspace. You know, you have the addressing of computers with the internet protocol, you have uh, universal addressing of data with the web, and I think that we should add a universal addressing of concepts. So, in a way, we already have a concept addressing system. This is natural language, okay? <laughs> but the problem is that natural language cannot be computed um, automatically. You, you, you can deal with it mainly today it's mainly done with statistical um, methods or with deep learning methods okay but if we are able to uh, have a semantic code that is supple enough to express human thought but is formal enough to be automatically computed we have solved the, the, the biggest problem so we are able to think reflexively because we have 
speech. We have language. We will be able to think collectively, reflexively, when our collective memory will be addressed by a language. So the new platform will be open, transparent, the content should be common, the content should be commons, really commons. We should use blockchain, deep learning, deep meaning, as I said, and then we will have a lot of functions, function of data curation, data analysis, function of creation of all kinds of documents, of course, communication and collaboration, immersion in, you know, um, artificial, no, um, augmented reality, virtual reality, connection with the internet of, of things, connection with uh, smart cities and so on. So the dimension of immersion in the, in the 3D space, the real space, you know. And finally, transaction. Yes. Like selling, buying, uh, all these kind of things. So if we have abilities of creation, curation, communication, immersion, and transaction, we have everything in a way. Yes. Yes, yes. No, I, I agree with you on that. And where your vision is going, I think that's what we need. And uh, you discussed, you know, a lot of important uh, factors uh, into your vision of the semantic web that we need to go forward towards. And you also, it seems, proposed uh, a different model. Uh, I was uh, doing uh, analysis of the work that you have done so far, and it seems you have proposed a different model called information economy meta language yes so that seems to be uh, groundbreaking and i think it's going to be very uh, very very fundamentally uh, necessary for the vision that you just you know described so uh, for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners can you describe what these iem how these information economy meta language will enable collective intelligence how it's going to be how it is going to play a role okay so the big well, it, 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 let's be honest it's complex okay uh, <laughs> if you have a groundbreaking idea that is at the same time cultural and technical it will be complex so yeah so you have to think of an uh, an object that is at the same time a language like French or English or Mandarin or Arabic. Okay, it's a language. Okay. And on the other side, it's an algebra. Okay. With, in, in the case of AML, you have six variables and uh, two operations, multiplication and addition. So it's, it, it's a formal algebra. It's not an algebra that manipulates numbers, okay? They are manipulating um, uh, abstract variables that I represent by letters, but that mean ideas, okay? So from the, the initial variables that 
all each of one means something, you build co more complex or more precise ideas only by using addition and multiplication. And it is recursive. You have several layers like this. And all the words that you create like this are interconnected by semantic relations. So I have a dictionary of IEML. I mean, it's not one word after the other. It is like uh, groups of transformation between symbols, and you have a, a dense network of paradigmatic um, relations, of semantic relation between the words. Okay. And then you can use the words to build more complex topics to create phrases to create to describe facts to describe theories to describe narratives and so on and you can use all this linguistic expression to categorize data or to categorize parts of documents or to categorize a contract for example in the blockchain system or to categorize everything, the, the functions of bots in an IoT system, and, and so on. So you'll have the whole um, digital memory that can be addressed by this language. The language works as a semantic coordinate system for the data, and for the people, and for the transactions, and for everything that is recorded online. So the, the real invention is, is a linguistic invention because you have at the same time a language and an algebra. Some people may say, but oh, wait, wait, this already exists. Chomsky told us that every language can be described by an algebra. This is a regular language. Levy does not invent anything. Okay, <laughs> Chomsky said that you can represent the syntax of a language in a formal way by a regular language. Okay. It, it was an extraordinary achievement when he proved this. And it is one of the basis of the current development of programming languages and of the current computer science. But what I am adding here is a formalization, not only of syntax, but of semantics, because the language is not limited to its syntactic part. Of course, you, can, you should combine phonemes. This is one thing, but you, all, you are also going to use language to say something, to make reference to real things to convey ideas, concepts, and so on. And, and it is this that we should be able to code and manipulate automatically. So once you have a language that is at the same time an algebra, you can build a database that is also a language. And this is exactly the way we the, the way the human mind is working. Because all the knowledge we have is physically encoded in our neurons, but virtually it is encoded in concepts. 
by our language. And the thing is that the language in general is not something that is individual, it's something that is collective. It's something at the level of culture, and that's why we are able to discuss. Okay, so we have culturally a kind of cultural database. The, the semantic addressing system of which is a language. It's already the case. Now, what I am proposing is to do it technically at the level of cyberspace. <laughs> and that's that's very interesting. No, I'm I'm thinking how to use this IEML language that you have developed, how to use that effectively for risk management. Because I'm very curious about how the risk generated by the internet's enormous capacity to retrieve data and the potential exploitation of this risk data that is there in cyberspace, geospace, and space how to identify that and how to translate that into a language computer language like how you have developed IEML yes. how to create how to create the risk you know meta language okay. that is what I have been thinking because if you can create the risk meta language then our ability to manage risk irrespective of whether they are independent risk that impacts either uh, in an individual or an individual entity, or if it's an interconnected, interdependent risk. If we have that ability, if we have that meta language for risk, we can probably you know, eliminate most of the risk from this world. Okay, so uh, I have been practicing data curation and uh, let's say a, a kind of um, intelligence, technology intelligence, business intelligence, uh, geopolitical intelligence, security intelligence for years now. I am using Twitter, I am using Scoopit, I am using Pinterest, I'm using a, a lot of platforms to do this data curation. And I gather collections of data on the topics that are interesting to me to understand the world's, the very complex world in which we live and a world that is evolving very fast. Okay. So I said, I am going to use IML for my own purpose, for data curation, to, for my watch on the subjects that are interesting to me. Currently, on all these platforms that I am using, you categorize data by tags, or by hashtags, or by keywords, or things like this. You know, you cannot organ a way, a kind of metadata, okay, to organize your memory, the memory of the, of the data. So, what I have been doing in the last uh, three months is to translate my tags into IML. And then there is a system that automatically uh, replace the natural language tags with the IML tags. And then I have complete collections that are uh, categorized in IML. So this allows me to make better analysis of the data. I can compute 
all the semantic relations and the semantic proximity between data automatically. And uh, I can project the data onto my tables of words that indicates the maybe causal relations between the data. I can test hypothesis if I express my hypothesis in IEML. It extracts automatically the, the data that is categorized in the facts or in the variables of the theory and organize the data according to the great lines of my theory of my hypothesis. It becomes very easy to analyze a lot of data for a very simple reason. It is that the tags, the categories, the way you the, your semantic metadata are not just anymore a, a chain of characters. They are concepts, and these concepts are automatically related, mutually related, and it, it, and this relation is made automatically. So that's the way. So it, there will not be a risk. Um, a, a, a risk meta language. There will be one single meta language, and you can, in this meta language you can develop your special vocabulary as you want because it is completely free. So language you can say everything you want, and you can build the the topics or the subject or the facts or the theory you want because. Yes, and I hear you on that. But I see the challenge with this is across nations, there are so many different languages that are being spoken. Now, all there are so many different cultural variation, which uh, we have not integrated yet. We don't understand how, you know, what, what, you know, is a risk in certain culture that is not risk in another culture and how the actions, for example, you know, people on social, uh, on Facebook, every action they take every like or dislike or every share or every decision they you know that we see on the facebook or any other uh, social media what does it mean in terms of risk how do you know identify risk from that now what if we build a blockchain based risk management framework then it is probably you know going to be from what you are suggesting using the ieml in a blockchain based risk management framework that is possible and doable and that would you know help us uh, develop that uh, risk meta language so to speak uh, but that that would require enforcement of that particular framework by pretty much each and every individual across nations and also each and every entity across a nation. That means government, industries, organizations, and academia. Everybody would have to come on that framework. And then with the language that you have developed, we will be able to identify and manage the risk you know effectively we will be able to understand it and now that blockchain based capability that i hope that we are able to develop is that we will be able to manage not only the independent risk 
but also the interconnected and interdependent risk because for which we don't have any capability yet and that would give us the you know capability but this requires a huge effort across nations everybody has to be willing to come on that framework everybody has to be willing to use that you know just like how everybody is using internet we would need everyone to use that and then if we are able to do it then perhaps we will be i was talking to uh, you know a lot of decision makers and they said if we are able to do that then we would be able to manage almost uh, 80 85% of the global risk we won't be able to eliminate or you know effectively manage all 100% but at least a major portion of the risk we will be able to effectively manage so i am very curious how to use this ieml language that you have developed and how to effectively take a step forward in managing the risk across our nations geographical boundaries irrespective of cyberspace geospace and space and how to come up with that model that we can effectively build because we cannot rush into building things and you know spend enormous resources if we are not able to reach the end point that we want to reach and i am thinking you know how many different variables factors that we need to incorporate so that we can have an effective risk management framework that everyone can benefit from and everyone can use across nations okay uh, first okay i i feel i felt from the beginning of my research a big responsibility so i knew that maybe nobody will use my language but there, there was also a possibility that everybody will use my language. Oh, I didn't know. So I had to make sure that it, it is, first of all, technologically secure. I spent, let's say, 12 years to build a parser for my language, to be sure that it was exactly the thing that we need. Something that I am sure that is computable. So something that I am sure that can go, that can scale, you know, at, at, the, at the global level, etc. Now I am building a prototype with only one function, the function of data curation. In some months, the prototype will be finished, and. Uh, currently, it works uh, in IML, of course, but IML is automatically translated in French and English. It's only two languages. In principle, it should be all the languages, or at least all the main languages that are used on, on Earth. So we will need some linguists to translate all this. And also, I will need some people to help the users to build the subjects, the topics, the, uh, the facts, the theories that they need to build for their users. You know, some, some people that can help people. Basically, it's not, let's say, it should be a small team or some group of small teams and I think that it will be much less costly than going to the moon and maybe it will be uh, more useful I don't know <laughs> because augmenting human collective intelligence will have many 
beneficial effects. So, um, yes, this vision implies the whole um, global cyberspace and the whole global culture, but it should be done step by step, securely, uh, in an agile way, if you want, not designing everything from the beginning, but trying some new function, testing it. Yes, it works. We can go a little bit further and so on. If we want that it is very solid, we have to be very careful. But we have to go ahead, of course. Uh, I think that the um, uh, fundamental research is done now. The, the structure of the language, the dictionary, uh, the test of the first function, that is that accuration, it works, it works. So we should go very uh, cautiously to the next step now. Probably it should, it should be supported by a foundation or by a consortium like the World Wide Web Consortium or maybe by an alliance of, I don't know, uh, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft or something like this. Uh, if they want, maybe they, they can feel threatened also by this. <laughs> but they can be smart also, I don't know. But in a way, and there will be also a, a blockchain aspect to all of this. We will have to register and so on. It's, it's very complex at, at the institutional level, how to make this happen. It's not a simple problem. So I will stay with my eyes wide open with the vision of a global public service uh, and uh, we will hopefully with people like you and other people that that, that will um, help to spread the word something can happen and we will stay in touch and uh, i i will send you the the prototype when it will be issued no, great. And no, I hear your point on this because at the rate technology is changing, no individual or entity across nations can, you know, do something as big as what we are trying to achieve, the vision that we all have, you know, to develop such system that every individual across nations can use and benefit from. That is not something that an individual uh, and an individual or an independent entity can do on its own. We need a shared organization, like you just you know talked about, for collective knowledge and talent sharing. Because uh, if we talk about IEML itself, you said you know the French uh, right now is only in French and English, and there are so many languages all across nations. Oh, cool. so you, that itself will require a huge collaborative, you know, effort exactly. from across nations. Exactly. exactly. That itself. So. You collective intelligence without using collective intelligence yes absolutely absolutely so the shared organizations I think you know it is the way to go and uh, we believe that global NGI collaboration will help us not only 
reduce if we talk about our efforts that it will not only help us reduce cost for our initiatives but also help us reduce the time that is needed for completion of projects or initiatives each of these project i mean the what i would like to do to achieve the uh, risk management framework that can manage both independent and interdependent uh, interconnected interdependent uh, cgs risk that means cyberspace geospace space risk that is going to take years and it is going to require so much effort so do you uh, and same is for yours i mean the, what you have developed is going to require huge huge efforts and collaborative uh, efforts from all across nation so do you see new ideas being generated and explored by collaboration and cooperation of individuals and entities across ngiwa if we talk about iml language where could it go i mean it is a meta language but what else can be built on that okay so you know that the international collaboration already exists in in academia in the scientific endeavor in principle there is no i don't know uh american science and pakistani science and spanish mm -hmm. science there is science that's it science is science you are right about that okay or even more for the mathematics mathematics it's the same thing everywhere so uh we we are not going from nowhere okay so i think that one of the first uh uh, fields where this can be done in the is the academic field the uh, categorization of research papers of research conversation so science new kind of publication in cyberspace uh, and i have already contacts with people that are very interested that are managing scientific uh, uh, journals online and so on so it 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 will it can be already uh, useful in let's say two or three years. Uh, so it, it can be relatively fast. And once it's it has shown useful in one particular field, you can generalize to other fields. I think that I, I'm not. I'm not afraid of the, um, let's say, possible uh, obstacles. I think that it, it will be relatively fast once it has been proved useful. This is the, the really important step. And once people say, ah, okay, it works. Okay, we are going to do it. And then there will be more people who will collaborate and we will uh, um, go ahead yes that is the way to go because uh, there is not a single initiative or effort that would be you know achieved successfully without overcoming obstacles or you know overcoming risk and managing risk and the act of managing risk effectively so as to uh, from our perspective so as to achieve security in cyberspace geospace and space and achieve global peace is itself a powerful motivator that will create a new world a better world that can be a stepping stone to the step uh, space age so the capacity of individuals and entities across nations is government industries organizations and academia to cooperate intellectually in risk management 
security and peace is a powerful motivator and as our society becomes more and more knowledge dependent and risk conscious this collective ability becomes a fundamental importance it is i think it's very important and it's vital to understand among other things how these collective risk intelligence processes can be expanded by using blockchain by using ieml and how we can uh, you know take the next step that is going to be one of the keys to success for not only digital global age and uh, to have global peace but also a stepping stone to the uh, space age so what cognitive powers of collective intelligence do you see emerging if we are effectively able to integrate all these powerful technological platforms and here we we i think that we we still don't have pronounced the word education, but it's very, very important. So I think that the, the next generation of students will have to, let's say, we have to be trained to surf on streams of data. They have to, and they need, uh, deep, deep cultural, uh, deep, deep um, critical thinking, deep uh, ability to organize data and to extract knowledge from them, deep ability to uh, collaborative learning. So we have to think all these things together and we have to organize the education on the new, you know, in the last centuries, people were reading on paper and writing on paper. In the, in the future centuries, we are going to read on data flows and write on data flows. It will be the new mm, raw, raw material. We are going to, to give shape to it. Okay. We are going to communicate in a stigmatic way by interacting on this same sea of data. Okay. This will be the new way to interact. And I think that uh, when we will be able to convey this new vision of intellectual collaboration into the core of education, we will have made a great step forward yes yes definitely and yes go ahead please okay and what and it will yes it will be <laughs> it will advance the goal of peace but you know i don't want to sound too much um utopian there is a mean strike in the human species we we have bad instincts we have aggressivity and so on i'm not sure that we will achieve a world completely at peace without conflicts and so on maybe it's impossible but at least we can foster a culture of collaboration collective intelligence reflexivity critical thinking Compassion, 
And our conflicts should be resolved at the symbolic level instead of shedding um, blood. That's, we, we have to, um, how do you say this? <laughs> Yeah, the most, <laughs> I, hear you. I hear you on that. English. Well, it's um, going beyond the immediate impulse and transforming this impulse into something higher. Of course, we will always have these bad impulses. Yes. We, we have to learn how to transform them. Yes, very true. No, you're right uh, that we will never be able to achieve. Uh, totally risk-free environment because competition and conflict will always remain. So perhaps a closing question for us to ponder is how do these new kinds of collective human intelligence help us understand what it means to be an accountable human in the first place and what our role as humans on the earth is? I think and I hope that this approach to thinking about collective human intelligence can help us to understand not only what it means to be individual humans, but what it means for us as humans to be part of some broader collective humanity system. So having said that, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially the young minds who are you know, still in the high schools and colleges, who are very passionate about making a difference, about living behind a legacy. A lot of them are not driven by money. They want to solve the problems. I get emails from across nations, you know, students from high schools who ask me what they should do. And I tell them that find a problem that matters for you and your nation and try to solve it. That is the biggest contribution that you can uh, give to the humanity and to make the world a better place. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially that those young mind. Uh, first, we have to recognize that we don't come from nothing. That there was previous generations that were building new knowledge, developing ideas. We have inherited a lot of very important ideas, concepts, knowledge knowledge from our predecessors and we should recognize and accept this and then we should continue we should add to the knowledge we should build better institutions we should build better tools we should develop a mutual understanding compassion and so on personally i think that but maybe it's just my point of view um, reflexivity is the key. We should be able to see ourselves individually and collectively and understand what we are doing together. If we build a, a civilization based on reflexive collective intelligence, we are, I think that we are going toward the, the right direction. Reflexivity at the global scale, at the local scale, at the, the scale of teams, at the scale of networks, conversations, and so on. Being able to observe our own cognitive processes. This is the basis of learning individually and collectively. 
Yes, very true. No, excellent advice. And you're, uh, we all know that uh, none of us knows everything, but we all know something. So the capacity of individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia communities to evolve towards higher order integration and performance through collaboration and innovation is a need of the time. So thank you so much, Professor Perry, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on collective human intelligence and your efforts towards uh, developing the IEML uh, meta-language, uh, which is, uh, from uh, my assessment, is going to prove a very important tool uh, to take the next step in the semantic web that we are trying to develop and the reflexive uh, intelligence that each individual need to have to be able to evolve in our e inter evolutionary journey towards intelligence, collective intelligence. So our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on collective human intelligence is benefits to the society and its future. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to explore collective intelligence based on the discussion we had today and based on the understanding they uh, they've got because of the what you shared about IEML. I, this risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Wonderful. So as humanity's relationship to knowledge and information changes, it is important that we evaluate security risk rising because of the profound implications to the future of the collective human experience and endeavors in cyberspace, geospace, and space. Risk group cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIO and CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.